All right. Let's jump into our next story. Um, still looking at some some big companies. You know, this it always seems like the most juicy stories are the ones that come out of uh, out of our, our big tech five out of Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. However, I just thought this was interesting to mention because it affects us personally, friends. We are content creators and journalists. So I'm actually reading a book right now about the political economy of Silicon Valley. Very interesting stuff. And one of the bits that really stood out to me... Um, especially because we're, you know, content creators, was that Google and Facebook, due to their news aggregation platforms and um, their pure market size and the way that the network effects around their businesses work and that when there are more users, they are more valuable and that encourages more users and it's kind of like a a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. Um, People gravitate to their platforms for news, but the news is created by other sites. So what ends up happening is Google and Facebook are getting the traffic and getting the ad revenue at a fraction of the spend because no journalists are being hired. So the media companies are fronting the bill for uh, creating the content, but they're not getting any of the advertising revenue, which is basically the main source of funding in um, the journalism world today. Uh, because it's being absorbed by Google or Facebook because mm-hmm. traffic is staying there. Um, so in Australia, the treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, announced plans to force the digital behemoths to pay, and this is, I'm quoting a story, uh, force the digital behemoths to pay news and other media outlets for their content as part of a mandatory code of conduct to be presented in July. Code of conduct, excuse me. That didn't sound like English when I said it. <laughs> he, um, And then Frydenberg said, quote, it is only fair that the search engines and social media giants pay for the original news content. From the story, he cited data showing between 8 and 14 percent of Google search results include reports from news sites. Yet the digital platforms wind up with a huge share of online advertising bucks. Google Mm -hmm. gets 47 cents of every dollar. Facebook gets about 24 cents of every dollar amplify all of those dynamics with COVID-19, which is laying off a lot of journalists, shuttering um, many smaller independent operations. And you've got a really tricky situation for the future of our you know, fourth estate. Uh, so th- this just seems like a very focused move to try to retain, um, I guess, the financial solvency of um, very vulnerable um digital or not digital journalism operations. I guess they're all digital at this point, but yeah, Yeah. interesting news. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this has been something that's been going on for a really long time. I think content creators have kind of felt like they uh, a lot of times forfeit their content to the platform that they're posting. I mean, I know that, you know, uh, market scale, for instance, we, we talk about that all the time, you know, owning your channels, kind of, you know, utilizing your own platforms uh, in order to, uh, you know, generate your own audiences and build those organically. So, um, you know, it, I, I think it's great that, you know, this is being addressed. I think it's only going to help the industry. You know, there are so many times where, you know, the the big uh, platforms and tech companies are double dipping on being able to create and provide. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is, you know, a, a really good step in the right direction. Tyler, what are your thoughts on this being uh, the the veteran of the journalism world here <laughs> in the crew? Oh, man. Yeah. No, I, I, I do agree because um, because there is that that sense in which social media companies rely on their users to share content. They are able to then, um, for free, uh, basically 
leech off of anything. And I, I, I think that the, the struggle these days is that so many people will just see a headline and take that as the news without reading the larger article. So when something gets shared on a Facebook, you know, uh, something like that, uh, people will just simply skim the articles um, or just skim the headline, you know, mm-hmm. that, that somebody has posted and not actually click through to the article, meaning that it's, again, harder for those types of outlets to uh, to reap those advertising dollars, to get the eyeballs on their actual site, mm-hmm. uh, to get subscribers, things like that. And so... I think that there really is a challenge and and there has to be some kind of leveling of that playing field because again it, it, as long as as long as you know Facebook and and Google aren't going to be in the news creation game they're simply just in the you know take whatever is out there game then as they further kind of uh put these uh these media outlets under stress uh, there's going to be more and more unreliable, unsubstantiated reports that come out, more and more, for lack of a better term, fake news and, and things like that, that are going to come out from outlets that are simply just going to be headline attention grabbing, um, you know, on social media that, that get those clicks and, and, and that sort of thing. So I, I think that I think that something has to be done in some way to help curb that. Otherwise, at a certain point, we'll end up with no truly um, reliable, long-standing news outlets by which to get news and information simply because we entertained ourselves to death on Facebook and, and, and Google and things like that. So I, I think something has to be done in some way to mitigate this. Yeah. Well, and and I think it's also important to remember that um, journalism is best when it's localized. So the fact that this is... The fact that this dynamic with Google and Facebook mostly damages small journalism operations that don't have heavy cash flow or aren't owned by Jeff Bezos, right? That don't have the the funds to stay afloat even if Google eats their ad revenue. That really damages the future of independent journalism because all that ends up remaining is corporate media, really. And not that corporate media is, is bad inherently, but it can't be the only source of information when all of our journalism institutions are uh, either um, owned by uh, you know, huge companies that have their own interests and their own dynamics that play into how the news is curated and who gets hired, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, and, and basically leaving behind institutions that are, are um, funded by local ad revenue. Um, and then I think this also begs the question, how much should we be relying on journalism institutions to be funded through ad revenue alone. Uh, can there be more robust public funding for our journalism outside of just, you know, NPR uh, or like PBS and and give some, some real financial support to the institutions that break the most important news and those are the community news uh, outlets that are being affected the most by this dynamic. So hopefully those are the ones that end up making it out of this um, this pandemic afloat, but then even with the Australian Treasurer's action, hopefully this motivates some broader action to protect those smaller institutions. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm curious to see if we see more more revenue models emerge for for media. You know, I, I think that the relative success of the athletic um, could maybe bring about a, 
a new model. I would love to see more of um, a non-sports version of The Athletic that uh, one of the things that The Athletic does really, really well is they localize a lot of their content. So they... Um, uh, I think I think other news outlets might say that they have poached some of their better people. Um, but what they've done is, you know, gone to certain kind of big um, big sports markets and then hired various people to cover those markets in depth. So right. So just like as an example for Dallas, they have a couple of different guys who were local Dallas media guys who they grabbed to cover the Cowboys and then another mm-hmm. guy that just follows the stars and another guy that just does the Texas Rangers and, and things like that. And so I would love to see a a, a maybe a, a model like that that again localizes a a large media um, news operation, if that makes sense, and, and tries to take you know some of the people that know the area particularly well and have people on those beats in a subscription type model that maybe um, is done in a way similar to what the athletic has done that provides a unique perspective that um, gives. Uh, maybe new access and that sort of thing under a new revenue model that can also help sustain some more local journalism because I do think that that's incredibly important. I, every year around election time, it it frustrates the heck out of me that everyone is very, very concerned about um, certain large-scale national elections, which do matter quite a, quite a bit, but don't know who their city councilman is or you know don't know who represents them in a very, very local sense when you know the president has very little bearing on whether or not your street is getting fixed or whether or not you know a business is able to open or not open or get permits, things like that. Um, but who your local representatives matter, uh, who, they, who they are matters. And so it's important to have that local journalism like you, like you mentioned, Daniel. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries.